0: Hello, welcome to this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with
1: Clint Derringer.
0: And there's a lot to talk about. There's been a lot going on um, all the way going back since Jim Harbaugh met with the media doing a Zoom press conference. Um, The announcement that the Big Ten has canceled the non-conference season uh, news on our season tickets football season tickets and uh, a lot more. So Clint, uh, how do you feel about how Jim Harbaugh's comments on COVID and possibly canceling the season and and moving forward with the season uh, were, were interpreted across the media landscape?
1: Well, there was a lot of obviously a firestorm as you've mentioned, because when Harbaugh says something, even remotely controversial, it, it, it blows up pretty quickly, and that was uh, that was the case this last time. I think the the biggest biggest thing with uh, at least how it spread on Twitter was that the, the the piece that he led with about letting the experts decide and understanding that if the experts are saying you can't play, then they would respect that decision. And An analytical perspective. He led with that, and it got omitted from the original quote that went out via Twitter and and created kind of the firestorm. So, um, I mean, he followed that up with, of course, he thinks you know football didn't cause COVID. It's part of our society. We're going to have to learn to deal with it. I think all of those, you know, certainly to some extent, regardless of how your personal feelings are um, about. Um, the virus, the the pandemic, and the, the response that we're seeing in Michigan and nationally and within the sports worlds. I, I think regardless of how you feel about that, it is true that it's part of our society. It's also true that we are going to learn. We're going to have to find a way to deal with it. Um, I think our differences are about how to deal with it going forward. So um, it, it was pretty innocuous to me. I think uh, it, it was a, a a case where Harbaugh, you know, speaks his mind. He's going to tell you the truth, especially when asking his opinion and the, uh, the unfortunate omission of, of kind of his qualifying statements ahead of time that if, uh, if, if the experts were to determine that football is not safe, then they would accept that the fact that that got left out, you know, made it even heavier. And I think that there was a, A backlash to the backlash also that kind of targeted um, some members of the media that had omitted that as in case they had omitted that intentionally to to create the firestorm and the storm and drive website traffic or whatever else so I think people are starved for content people people want uh, you know it's pretty high stakes you know regardless if you're a fan uh, obviously even higher for the players and coaches, uh, people that work in the industry. Um, so the emotions are going to run high pretty quick, and it's I think it's only going to get uh, more intense as we get closer to the season. And there's a lot of money and careers and, and reputations and um, all of that's on the line. So there's kind of a preview of what we're going to see a lot nationally, in my opinion.
0: You know, I, I think – what you what you get with Jim is, I think he's kind of damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. Right? There are times where he will give a one-word answer or a very direct answer, and um, you know he'll he'll be vilified for it. If, oh, Jim doesn't want to play nice with the media. And then there are times he will give, as you mentioned, kind of a long, ponderous answer, looking at things from different angles. And and to your point. I think you could make a strong argument that everything he said was true, right? It is COVID is part of our society. The players do want to play. And then he said, but you know, we got to look at the experts and we're going to do what's best, but I really want, you know, I want to be on that wall teaching our kids. So it's interesting, you know, you can say a lot of things that are true and depending on what you fixate on, it, it can sound bad, right? Because because there's not a context. So, it's interesting because uh, you know whatever Jim says, whatever Coach Harbaugh says, gets a lot of attention. You know we are in a soundbite uh, world, right? And uh, and especially with the way that everyone is starred for information, starred for information about football. You know there's something of. Uh, um, I would say that there are those who have an agenda who are against football. So if if they can construe something that, that makes, co- you know, football coaches look bad, that's going to get traction. It's going to go throughout the Internet. I, I thought the coverage was kind of unfair. And as you said, there was a backlash to the backlash. Um, you, you know, it it is what it is at this point. Um, you know, I, I think it's one of the reasons I'm really proud that, you know, in addition to doing these podcasts, we make our source materials, meaning the press conferences and and the interviews that we do available to our audience. Okay. So, you know, and I, I always, this is something that I've, I've always believed in from the beginning is that uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to chew your food for you if you don't want me to. Right. If, if you want to go and listen to the, to the, to the press conference, And make your own conclusion or the post-game press conference and make your own conclusion. That's great. Um, And and I think it's a way to kind of judge your media sources, right? Um, There's people who have a reputation who you can trust, who occasionally you may disagree with your interpretation, but you know they're not doing it with any ill will, right? And this is one of those examples where anybody who listened to that entire uh, exchange, as you can do, you know, uh, as, as we make available, you can draw your own conclusions, and, and you can definitely, uh, um, you'll quickly come to the conclusion that the people who are jumping on the sound bites either um, didn't listen to the whole press conference or the whole exchange or didn't want to. And, you know, there's a certain amount of that, of, of that moving forward, too. So, it, again, it's, uh, you know, I, I always take the tact where um, – and, and, I mean, in a lot of things, you know, people will say, oh, well, this coach said this, and it will be kind of controversial. Controversial. I always want to go back and hear the whole thing, right? Sometimes it's just as bad as they say. Often not you're, you're, you're hearing just a, a small piece of it. And, uh, you know, I do think Coach Harbaugh, um, you know, is an insightful guy, and he will, uh, you know – pontificate about things but i think if we look back at a number of issues uh you know the thing that that really f- frustrated me is that somehow he wasn't being pro player that that you know he's this he was this taskmaster pushing players you know to to, to endanger themselves and, and you know that's not his track record and that's not what he what he said uh in the press conference
1: and and i think just to add a little bit from my kind of cultural soapbox here, the, I think people expected that from a football coach because they've heard it from other football coaches, or it's their own perception of what a football coach would say. And it's kind of uh, it's more wrapped up in how the perception of how college athletes are treated by the systems they work within right now. So it it was it was kind of a Warshak test situation where your reaction to that entire scenario probably said more about your own personal values and opinions and beliefs than than what he actually said. We're just not right now, the way that we communicate culturally is not necessarily full of nuance and and detail and give and take. It's much more, uh, you know, pick a side and defend it to the death. And I think that's uh, this was a good example of, of that.
0: You know, I, I think that's that's some good insight. You know, I think it you know, as you said, it says more about the people interpreting than actually what was said. And and you know, one of the things one of the reasons I like like I like Coach Arbaugh is that he's not a typical football coach and that he will he will address issues that are going on. You know, I remember when the Colin Kopernick, um, you know, thing started, right? Um, I remember sitting in the press conference and and they asked him what he felt about kneeling. And at first he said, well, you know, I could tell he was kind of caught off guard. He's like, well, I, I, I don't know. I don't think I support it. And then very shortly he came back, uh, you know, several days later after he had had a time to consider it. And he's been very supportive of, of, of the effort, you know. It's interesting because... I do think he will tell you what he thinks, and I think that, you know, he is not uh, above, you know, changing his, his position as he thinks about things and he, as he considers it. But, you know, if we go back and look at, remember the issue that we had, uh, Michigan had, where um, Purdue didn't have the medical facilities that uh, they probably should have had to help diagnose, you know, injuries to players, okay? Uh-huh. Coach Harbaugh, I mean, it, it's one of the reasons I really enjoy his press conferences is, you know, there are times where he'll give yes and no answers and, and kind of play games, and then there will t- be times he'll come out and drop the hammer, and that was one of those press conferences where he was very clear that, you know, college football and, and the Big Ten and everybody needed to do, needed to do better for the players, and he, he said so in no uncertain terms. So, again, for anybody who's been – uh, you know, following along, there's things you can criticize him for. Okay, he has not beaten Ohio State. We can all agree that that needs to change. But as far as uh, you know, saying that he's not supportive of players, um, you know that that that's that's just not the case. We can go chapter and verse and, and cite examples where he's been on the right side of of uh, of wanting the best for players. From from wanting transfers, I mean, again, you you can go down the list and. He's been on the right side of, of if not all, many issues uh, that that benefits players.
1: Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. I think on a case by case basis, or individual players, or anecdotal evidence, then then that is what it is. But I think systematically, he he tends to favor the players' perspective. Um, you know, partially because he was uh, a player for a very long time, and 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 understands and appreciates the, uh, the value of of what it means to be a college athlete. And he, uh, he has backed up, you know, his actions have backed up his words more times than not. And it's only a handful of exceptions that you could find where there's discrepancy and he, he addresses those publicly too.
0: So, uh, um, again, he, uh, didn't give the, I would say a straight answer on you know if he thought the season should be moved um, to the spring that he was asked about you know again I think he along with many of us are hoping that there's going to be some type of season what was interesting is that he did say in the press conference that there was going to be an announcement fairly soon and shortly thereafter the announcement came down that the non-conference season was, uh, was canceled now the before we get into that, I do want to say, you know, in a in a sport that leaks like a sieve, we can imagine that there are really high-level conversations going with multiple iterations of what the season may look like, may not look like. And I'm really surprised that we're not hearing more leaks from the Big Ten office, from the SEC office, from the coaches. Um, so everybody seems to be... Uh, uh, playing things pretty close to the vest. So again, Clint, w- what do you think about the announcement that the non-conference schedule uh, of the big 10 has been, has been washed out? I think
1: it was, I think it was, um, I think it was a, a moment to applaud the big 10 in terms of leadership. You know, they uh, they made a decision that that was what was in the best interest of their institutions and, and the players that play for big 10 schools and they, they made a decision early on in the process to allow everybody to adjust to that decision. And I think that in itself, regardless of how you feel about the actual structure of the schedule or the fallout, the fact that they made a decision and, and it was early in the process and they were the first to really announce publicly, I think should be should be applauded. Now, you know, there's some some interesting stories or, or interesting, at least, chatter about um that they kind of blindsided the other power five conferences that the the power five conferences kind of wanted to act together uh, on that. And that the big 10 had maybe bucked that trend by, by coming out and announcing on their own. And, and that may have been one of the forces that's kind of keeping everybody tight lipped also, that they were not, not only trying to keep things out of the public eye, but also, you know, may have been trying to keep things off the radar from the other, power five conferences because there's the another very interesting thing of all of the COVID virus fallout is that it's exposing so much of the underlying issues and and cracks in the foundation uh, on the whole model of, of intercollegiate athletics, you know, specifically for what we're talking about, but you know, you could apply it almost anywhere that everything that was, questionable or weak or had a crack in that foundation is 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 going to get brought to light and has to get addressed now in the in the open and, and you have to make some decisions and i think the inequity between conferences and how they play you know the the sec is certainly the the most powerful conference um depending on how you look at it you know but especially at the top they uh, they produce the most national champions in the BCS and college football playoff era, and their schedule playing one less conference game against each other and adding a, a, a typically an FCS uh, an opponent late in the season as they come down the home stretch. That's a that's structurally an advantage for them that they know and leverage very much. So it, all of these conversations now are going to start coming out publicly and people are going to have to address it. And it'll be very interesting to see how much, um, how similar the the power five all treat uh, their schedules and how they advocate for themselves. Um, And also the, the silence is deafening from the NCAA. I mean, I, I, I don't know, I don't know how to, how else to say it, But it's clear that the NCAA does not truly lead as a central governing body, that it's the conferences and the member institutions um, and their relative power. That's where the decisions are made. The the NCAA um, is a clearinghouse and and an accounting firm for distributing some of the funds in in these things. They are not providing any leadership whatsoever, in my opinion, on how to handle this the best and to standardize responses uh, geographically or, or across conferences.
0: You know, Clint, I agree with you. If anything, this kind of exposes the hypocrisy of the NCAA. You know, they seem to be nothing more than a scarecrow or a straw man to kind of take the blame for some of the larger problems that we have in college football when the actual decisions are driven by the conferences. Um, you were talking about how the covid crisis has kind of exposed the cracks in the system well you know let's consider for a second you know uh, you know we, we talk a lot about potential compensation for players well you have a situation here that brings their health care to the forefront right and we've always talked about you know well how do players how do players health care uh, how do they deal with injuries post-playing after their career, right? Well, here you have a situation where their potential uh, infection, you know, you have all these players crammed in one place. If one player were to get, um, you know, infected, they could, you know, spread very, very quickly and and potentially, uh, you know, uh, have a fatal result. Well, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with, um, you know, uh, the health of the, the health care for them, their family, their their classmates. And then, um, you know, another huge crack in the system is, you know, this is a a asteroid crashing through the atmosphere, you know, uh, an extinction event for many lower level sports programs. Right. Um, you know, look at the uh, impact it's having on the U of M athletic department and and they're, you know, one of the blue chips, one of the, uh, the ones that are, that, you know, in most years have a very healthy budget. Well, what is this going to do down the line, okay? What smaller conferences are going to have their budgets completely wiped out by this? We talked about how the non-conference schedule has been canceled. Well, there's a lot of money that gets transferred from the major universities to the minor universities and conferences that helps you know balance their books and that's been wiped out right and how do those lesser conferences survive how do they move forward um you know we've seen stanford of all things you know the the sterling example of how to run an athletic department wipe out um, non-revenue sports and uh you know stanford's one of the universities that that you know, has one of the largest endowments. It's one of the ways that they, you know, uh, consistently win the Directors Cup every year, is because they have so many sports. Well, they have taken uh, aggressive action to cut down on those sports. So, I, I wonder, you know, and 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 we've talked a little bit about this as, you know, this is obviously a, a, an inflection point. Um, there are a lot of things heading into this season you know, the transfer rule, um, different ways players can be compensated, changing from state to state. Um, and, and now we have this COVID crisis kind, uh, bringing things, you know, into a, a, a clearer focus about the inequities from conference to conference, even from team to team. You know, what is what will college athletics look like in five years? I mean, and, and I think, I don't think anybody knows, but I, I really think that, we're we're faced with it's going to be a before and after a BC and AD moment on um, you know once this all gets shook out and reorganized I think we're going to be looking at a drastically different landscape
1: absolutely absolutely and it's a very interesting conversation to have what what could be Um, but but also you know scary for for sports fans and people that enjoy the, the atmosphere you know is it when's the next time there's going to be 100,000 people inside the big house where where that was the big deal for decades that that there was going to be, you know, six figures, this is the largest crowd anywhere in America today, you know, and I would think, right, If I think probably you'll get back to full capacity inside the stadium, um, but uh, am I sure? <laughs> uh, no, definitely not you know, and if so, when, when, you know, because we don't, we don't know how all of this is going to reverberate. And it's not just this particular virus, but again, all of the weaknesses and cracks in the foundation that are being exposed, we're going to have to address those because this is not the last time that something like this is going to happen globally. You know, it's, we're going to have to be prepared to, to make decisions like this. And I think the last time there was an inflection point similar to this would have been for us, at least. And what I remember uh, from a football fan standpoint was nine 11 when in the, at the beginning of college football season, I, I happened to be a freshman in Ann Arbor at that time to, to cancel football games that Saturday across the nation, there was an uproar about you know letting the terrorists win quote unquote and also what's the fallout to you know financially for all the smaller schools very very similar to things that we hear right now and what's on the docket right now canceling the entire season or moving the entire season or or understanding how to provide the the opportunity to play and compete in these sports at all going forward so I, um, the, the asteroid, uh, image is, is pretty appropriate, I think, because it's not impending doom, right? But you're going to have to deal with that. You're going to have to deal with this, you know, you're not going to be able to ignore it or pretend it doesn't exist. Everybody from all angles of this thing, fans to administrators, to the players themselves, are going to have to adjust how they look at this industry how they look at what it means and why why institutions you know have football teams and, and carry football games at all because you know who, who's benefiting and who's not all those questions are going to get revisited in my opinion so um the the, the best prepared will have a, a huge advantage and i i'm hopeful that not only the University of Michigan, but the Big Ten in general will continue to be a leader and do their research and make decisions early on enough and provide the flexibility to adapt down the line so that they're in the forefront and can can really lead the charge um, as opposed to wait and see, which I think the people that wait and see are gonna they're gonna be stuck in the desert you know, waiting for, uh, waiting for it to rain.
0: So speaking of capacity in the big house, the athletic department announced that they have pretty much, uh, canceled season tickets for this year. Right. Um, and they are giving people the option. If you are a season ticket holder, you can, um, ask for a refund. You can defer your payment till next season. Um, or, you can make a donation. And, uh, you know, the, the thing that I wonder about, Clint, is that, okay, so you go to Michigan Stadium and we talk about how the student section waxes and wanes depending on the game and the weather, right? And, and you know, not to rag on the students, but it's not always completely full, right? That's That's a fair statement to make. So when you have this let's imagine okay we're either going to have a greatly reduced capacity or no capacity at all right so what happens when people how many people are gonna get their saturdays back and maybe decide not to come back to the stadium right how many people are you know and and again i'm definitely in this demographic uh you're an older fan right so you have to worry about infection with with uh, with stuff like this, the older you are, the more you have to worry about getting COVID. How many people just, you know, don't come back? So, you know, d- you know, does this break the break the addiction a little bit? Does it break the habit of habit up? I mean, one thing that they haven't addressed, and I think this is kind of the third rail of uh, of sports of, of football is tailgating. Okay, so, um, you know, how many people? Do you know who go and just tailgate with no intention of going to the game? They'll go to the parking lot. And and, and I was shocked how many people do that, right? Well, okay, it's one thing to say you're going to reduce capacity at the big house. Are you going to force social distancing in the parking lot? Okay. I mean, there are all these things that, that can really uh, impact the ritual of the games. And i think you know to a certain extent listen clint i love football i know you love football but COVID has really put it in perspective of the things that are really important right you know you and i were talking before the call about you know how our kids are going to be in school and how your kids are going to be in school and and how we're going to work i mean there are things that are more important than sports and i think that much like 9-11 you know i, I like that example it kind of puts things at you know, sets things right and puts things in perspective. And, you know, uh, I always talk about, you know, if you were to start with a clean sheet of paper, I don't know how you would get what we have in college sports right now, you know, in football and basketball. It has become something so different than what it began as. And like you said, uh, you know, is this a reset? Do, Do universities look and say, you know, um, you know, I am really proud that Michigan is great in sports, but well, you know, I'm really I, I I I care much more that my what my degree is worth and you know the the work that the university does. Okay, I want both, but but it is going to be interesting to see how football changes. Um, again, it's you know on another uh you know thing, kind of back to the COVID. One of the things that Coach Harbaugh mentioned is that the players had wanted to be good examples for their classmates and for the community. And I can tell you, um, I have been on campus a little bit running errands and I've, I've run into some football players and I can happily attest that everybody is wearing their mask and doing the social distancing. So it's actually good to see that, you know, when they're out in the community, they're, they're walking the walk to back up, you know, the the talk from coach Harbaugh. But again, we don't know what's going to happen here and uh, everything seems to be in this big holding pattern. And, again, when I heard the griping from the other conferences about the Big Ten making a, a good decision, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, everybody, and I, when I say everybody, everybody but the Big Ten and many football fans are just hoping against hope that everything's going to be fine. And with the announcement that the non-conference schedule has been canceled and that the season ticket's have been reset for this year. Um, it's going to be, I think that it, it's kind of like the, the, you know, sitting in a pan and it's slowly starting to boil. It, it People are coming to the realization that the fall, no matter what is going to be drastically different. It's not going to be the way we would hope it to be. And the way it has been.
1: Yep. I, I agree. And I think that, My optimism lies in, again, the fact that we've seen signals both from the conference and from the institution, you you know, the University of Michigan, and then also within the program and with Coach Harbaugh leading the way. I I, I think that we're well positioned to be leaders in the decision-making processes that have to happen going forward which means that I think in the long-term th- there will be a uh, a return to a new normal and that maybe some of these structural problems get addressed. But in the short term to, to try to have os- optimism or predict what it's going to look like in a week or a month or the start of September, I, I just, I don't think anybody's got that kind of crystal ball uh, and, you know, I've, I've shifted my optimism to the term, And, uh, and that's what I'm trying to watch most closely and we'll see what kind of actual season we get. And I will be, I'll be grateful for whatever season does exist if, and when it does, as long as it's done in a responsible manner for, for all those involved.
0: All right. And hopefully we'll have a lot of season to talk about, however it looks. I think we're going to find out a lot more over the coming weeks. And uh, let's let's hold out. Let's be part of that group that holds out that, that we will have some games to watch and talk about. So that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with
1: Clint Derringer.
0: Go Blue.